Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome on in, everybody. It's Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you. The next hour, we'll dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. Got a fantastic guest coming up on today's program. We got King Gabe Rosado, who is going to join the show. First time getting a chance to speak with him. He is in the main event uh, coming up next week at the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. He is taking on the Miracle Man, Danny Jacobs. In a super middleweight bout, which uh, is uh, going to be exciting. There was supposed to be another one. Demetrius Andrade was supposed to be on this card as well. Uh, but unfortunately, his opponent got COVID. So that sucks for Demetrius. You know, he's had, uh, you know, he was supposed to have an original opponent. That one dropped out. And then um, this one, uh, Hernandez came up. He got himself uh, COVID-19. So unfortunately for andre he uh he he drops out and uh loses you know his his get busy fight of 2020 i don't know if we will get a chance to see him uh it was announced this week that ryan garcia his fight with luke campbell has been pushed to january it seems and so we are uh we're gonna get that let me get the exact date for that ryan garcia because he was supposed to be fighting in a couple of weeks Instead, it's uh, it's going to be a little bit. Uh, they have been rescheduled for January second, so New Year's weekend. We will get to see Ryan Garcia take a step up against Luke Campbell. Um, so before we get to UFC two fifty five, I do want to give a couple of local shout outs uh, for the show this week. First shout out goes to our man King Howard Calderon, improving himself to twenty three and zero. He won at Rumble at the Bay in Tampa. Pro should put up by. Uh, uh, by signature punch up there he got himself a fourth round knockout blistering knockout for king harold calderon so shout out to harold big uh friend of the show and we are happy for him so good for him staying undefeated also want to give a shout out to uh the coo of titan fc the man who runs everything over there uh lex mcmahon who was doing a really cool thing this week he uh, made his pro mma debut in the dominican republic he was doing this in order to raise money for uh, PTSD for veterans, like as a former Marine, so doing something for his uh, his counterparts there and got himself a first-round submission win. Uh, dicey early, took some took a, took a big shot, but was able to drop his opponent and choke him out with a rear naked chokehold. So shout-out to Lex, man. Good job, for, good job on them. Let's get into a little bit of UFC 255. We'll start off with the main event. Davidson Figueroa, uh, Davidson Figueroa, he went out and defended his flyweight championship, got Alex Perez in a guillotine pretty quickly. Look, I mean, like, uh, he, Davidson's putting himself in a place right now where, you know, he's on an absolute roll right now. He's gone out. He's, he's now won five straight. 
really should have two title defenses, but uh, he missed weight for his first opportunity at the flyweight championship. Um, but Alex Perez came out of the bat of hell. It was high, quick action. A lot of kicks being thrown between these two guys. Um, little bit of a scramble on the, on the ground. Uh, figurehead gets, uh, gets back on up, uh, catches him in a guillotine readjusts as, uh, as Elliot tries to stand up Elliot, uh, as, uh, as Perez tries to stand up and that was all she wrote. He ended up tapping out and the belt is retained, uh, for the flyway champion. And again, you know, I, I don't know where this ends up. So we had Brandon Moreno up a little bit earlier, uh, in the, in the card, he gets himself a win. The initial plan, don't forget, was for him to fight Cody Garbrandt, um, which I think would be a really fun fight. You got the former bantamweight champ coming down. He's trying to win something, obviously a name a lot of people recognize and could do a lot for uh, for Figueroa's career if he gets a win like that over somebody like Cody Garbrandt, even if it's not the Cody Garbrandt from a few years ago where he looked like he was going to be an absolute face of the UFC. But, uh, but a great performance by Davidson, nonetheless. Moving on to the co-main event, you had Valentina Shevchenko. She was defending her flyweight title against Jennifer Maya. And, you know, I would say it was, an okay, it was not going to be a very memorable fight by any means. I thought that uh, Jennifer showed a lot of toughness in this fight. It was a lot of, uh, a lot of ground control, which is kind of a bummer. You know, I would really... I, I don't hesitate in saying this. I think that Valentina Shevchenko, watching Valentina Shevchenko strike um, is one of the best things to watch in all of mixed martial arts. She is uh, unbelievable on the feet with the things she's able to do. Um, her hands are fast. She's She's got just blistering kicks. She throws a lot of unorthodox stuff. Um, I wouldn't even say, like, you know some stuff that's even like John Jones esque, like just with the way she'll throw, you know, an elbow, she'll throw a Superman punch. Like she really will just throw the kitchen sink at her opponents, make them very uncomfortable. And this was one of those where I think she was taking out somebody in Jennifer who was naturally stronger. Um, and they were ending up in a lot of places where they were getting tied up. So she was tripping her, taking her down just to win rounds. Um, doing just enough where Herb Dean didn't want to, break up and make him go back to the feet. Uh, I was, you know, and then there were a couple of times where Jennifer, I thought the only place she really had the advantage uh, was in the clinch where she just could just kind of hold Valentina up, but she didn't really do anything with it. Um, she was having some success returning fire in the strikes, but she just wasn't fast enough, you know, so she would have had to catch her with something really big that would have punished her, put her out. Um, and that just didn't come. That didn't come for Jennifer. She, uh, you know, they, they, they refer to her as game. You know, she lost, a, she lost the, the fight 4-1 pretty clearly. Um, from the second round, I didn't think there were a lot of opportunities. I thought she was going to win the fight. And by round five, it was, it was a blowout round by Valentina. You know, she really turned up the heat. And, it, you know, it just felt like she, went to, she knew what to do to go keep her belt. And, uh, you know, she just remains just an absolute dominant champion. I think that, uh, I think that Jennifer Maya probably, you know, what I do think it is, is I think Jennifer did good enough that you'll, you could probably see her back in there one day with Valentina. Again, I wouldn't say like she needs an immediate rematch or anything like that. We don't need to get crazy. Uh, but I think she did well enough where, you know, she gets a couple more wins. She absolutely deserves to be 
back in there with Valentina, especially if the contenders get a little bit thin. But look, Valentina's uh she's really good, man. She's really good. She's fast, she's fierce. Um, you know, she she's an assassin and it maybe took a little bit uh, of time to see all of that really get to the point where where, where we thought this was going to be a this is the problem she's she's facing right now. Like she's at facing minus two thousand odds, so people expect you to go in there and and Mike Tyson somebody in thirty seconds. And you know she had a fight where she went, and uh, you know Amanda's been dealing with this somewhat too, where it's probably impossible to come with that same rage and that same fire every single fight. Um. But you found a way to win, and I, and you got to respect that when it comes to these champs when they come and find their way to uh, to go get themselves a W. And for her, it was a really really great performance, really really great performance. Um, not her most memorable. I don't think that we're gonna be you know looking back on on Valentina's possible Hall of Fame career and be like, oh, you remember the Jennifer Maya fight? Probably not. Um, but it was uh, it was a good win nonetheless. Uh, elsewhere on this card, what else? We had uh, Mike Perry. He was taking on Tim Means in the uh, in the fight before this, and Tim Means got the unanimous decision. He won 30-27, 29-28, twice over on two cards. I had a 29-28. I thought that Mike Perry got the first round. He came in really overweight for this fight. Um, it was, I think, almost by five pounds Mike Perry missed weight by. Um but it was a good fight. It, it was a, it was a, it was an entertaining bout, especially when they're in the middle of that uh, in the middle of the octagon. Really good strike. It just felt like Means um, was able to put out more volume. His jab was sick. It was a piston like jab, and you know Mike obviously is going to have those those bombs that he comes with you and, and is always very very dangerous. But you know it didn't. It, it was actually funny. His best opportunity to win the fight was in the first round where he almost got Tim Means with a rear naked choke. He got him down, and I don't think anybody was expecting Mike Perry. He doesn't have a submission win to his name, but he got close. He got close on, on, on Tim Means, and I'm sure that would have been uh, that would have been tough for Tim where you, you lose to a guy who you had to take 30% of his pay. That's not tough. I mean, that's, that's good for him, but it's obviously got to be frustrating. You're taking on a guy who missed weight that badly and then uh, almost got cho- uh, choked out by him, but... Nonetheless, he uh, he was able to get himself a a victory. Good job by Tim Means uh, for Mike Perry. You know, like I, this is uh, this is I think just the intrigue to him. You know, he's a little bit like it's almost like the Adrian Broner of mixed martial arts right now. Like it's not the winning or the losing. It's kind of the freak show of all that type of stuff. You know, doesn't want to ring. You know, doesn't doesn't want anybody in the corner for him. Uh, you know, does, admittedly doesn't want to interact with fans. Um, now is missing weight, you know, but is also super entertaining and people will tune in for him. I mean, there's a reason a guy like that is third up in the uh, in the pay-per-view. They think people are going to tune in to watch you know, Mike Perry do some cool Mike Perry stuff. Um, it's just unfortunate, you know, Mike's always been a guy who has worked hard, even though the skill set hasn't exactly been, you know, maybe as polished as other people, you would say. Uh, it's a bummer to see that he misses weight that poorly, especially, you know, he's not like grinding with the camp as much and all that type of stuff and all the drama that's uh, that's kind of just thrown out there. Um, but, you know, I, I still think he's going to be on a big stage in a big way because people tune in to watch him fight. They do. 
he's uh he's 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 a he's a fan favorite who people can't stop watching. Uh, Kayla Jakagan, she put the business on. Cynthia Calvillo wasn't you know I mean big story of the fight. Kayla Jakagan was the 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 had the longer reach, was crisper with the striking, and just was better in every way that way with Cynthia Calvillo who really didn't have a uh, a plan B to go to. Uh, Paul Craig, he ended up getting himself a win over Mauricio Shogun Hua. The legend, uh, TKO in the second round, really blistered him. So he's able to avenge that loss. I mean, obviously, uh, we saw what happened last time where it was uh, on on uh, short rest, and he was uh, really hoping to, you know, make a statement here uh, with all the the screaming. He was like screaming and and Shogun's face in the in the in the prelim or uh, in the in the introductions. Uh, Bruce Buffer's like trying to shield him from Shogun. Shogun's not even looking at him, by the way. Shogun's like looking at the other side and not even paying attention at all. Uh, but he got himself a win, uh, second round stoppage for him over Shogun. So he gets the legend win and uh, obviously was uh, was looking to avenge that loss with uh, with all the stuff that he was talking in this uh, in the lead up to this fight. Uh, on the prelims, I would say the big two storylines out of this: you had Brandon Moreno. Getting his win over Brandon Royval, he uh, he probably solidifies himself now as the guy who's going to get the shot at the flyweight title. Depending on what happens with uh, Cody Garbrandt, who's got a nasty arm injury, you know that's it's one of those things where Cody's got the the former champ, he's got the big name, he's got the rub. Certainly, I think um, certainly I think people were into watching him see if he could come and win a fight. Uh, win a championship at flyweight. I think Cody was looking forward to doing that because that was uh, his rival, TJ Dillashaw, who he has lost to. But that's uh, you know that was TJ's thing. You know he wanted to come down and win at that division. So now he's going to be looking to do it. Even though I really Henry Cejudo stole the shine from all of them because he won the belts at both levels. Um, but you know if that is the case, if 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 Cody is on the shelf, uh, Brandon's probably in the uh, in the driver's seat. Uh, to 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 get into that title picture for sure. Uh, everybody was excited to see Joaquin Buckley back out there because of the highlight reel knockout. You know Jordan Wright. He uh, he they they hyped him up big. They did a great package to start with. This Joaquin Buckley though, man, you know he looks like an absolute behemoth. And mind you, this guy is still out there. He's working. He's uh, a manager at Walgreens, so he still hasn't been able to get to the place where. He is uh, is is doing this full time, which is kind of crazy, you know. You think about it, he has the most viral knockout of all time, and UFC, and all they're talking about is, "Wow, this got us more traction than anything in the history of our sport." And yet here we are, and he has uh, he has to kind of sit idly by as all this stuff is going down. So he uh, so look, there was going to be a lot of questions going into this. You know, could he live up to the video game stuff? And he certainly did. Uh, you know. First of all, Joaquin Buckley. I I don't say this lightly. That dude has lunchbox hands. I mean, they like you just look at him because I was walking. I was watching the the warm up package. I was like, man, his uh, his training gloves look gigantic. And normally training gloves are bigger, like they're sixteen ounces. They're meant to look a little bit puffier. And white gloves too. So I was like, ah, it's probably just the brand or something like that. And then I see him in the octagon, and I didn't really notice this because. Of the, uh, I didn't really notice this because of the kick. I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't remember what his hands look like. But Joaquin Buckley, like, he's like, he's like 
you know, kind of flexing the hands a little bit, you know, like cracking the knuckles or all that. And they're just like, they look ginormous. They look like just a, just a couple of hammers in those gloves. Like some of the biggest hands I've ever seen. Um, I mean, like Brock Lesnar always had famously big hands. Shannon, the cannon Briggs. He's got, he's got bricks for, for, for hands. They're absolutely huge. But Joaquin Buckley, I was just, man, you look at those UFC gloves. You're just like, those things look like they're going to pop off. But, in the end of this, the bigger news of it, Joaquin Buckley looked like he was about to end things in the first round. Jordan Wright was in a bad way, uh, looked bad uh, getting up, going back to his corner, and it was just a matter. It was 18 seconds into round two, and it was uh, it was night night. It was night night for Jordan Wright. So Joaquin Buckley is able to follow up the hype, and they may have something here. 26 years old now. Kevin Holland did come out, who's on his own little run, and he did. Uh, he did. He did remind everybody what he did to Joaquin Buckley. So, uh, you know, Kevin Holland is uh, is not letting anybody forget what happened in August. Um, but either way, you know, it's a, it's a good span of you know what are we talking here five weeks for Joaquin. Really, really impressive. So, yeah, that is our recap of UFC 255. That is all the things that went down. And uh, we'll be back with a little bit more. We got a lot of stuff to get into in the boxing world, specifically what's going on in the welterweight division as Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence. A lot of back and forth in the media this week. Terrence Crawford also dealing with some drama with Bob Arum. So when we come back, we'll get into a little bit of that right after this on Fighters Fury. We continue Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin back here with you guys. We're going to talk to longtime boxing veteran Gabriel Rosado. He is taking on... Danny Jacobs at the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino coming up next week. It'll be next Friday on DAZN, so check that out. We'll get to him in about uh, 15 minutes or so. Um, But before that, let's get into some of the boxing that went down this week. Um, As far as the news is concerned in the the world of boxing, a lot of things that just really were frustrating this week. You know, uh, we talked a lot last week about Terrence Crawford and his victory. Uh, is showing against Cal Brook, and really, there's nothing else to do but, you know, to get to this Errol Spence thing, and you know, to have these guys square off. Errol's going to be taking on Danny Garcia. A lot of people think that he'll get past getting Danny Garcia, although you don't want to rule Danny out. You know, we we've seen him do some sensational stuff before, so I don't want to completely rule it out. But I do, th- you know, uh, many people look at those two as one and two in the division, and so for argument's sake, let's just say Danny does get past. Uh, let's say Errol does get past Danny after this fight. Um, you know, there, there was just a, there was a few things that were bothersome this week uh, all around Terrence Crawford, um, and not so much on him. Uh, there was first the first thing that happened. You had this article that came out from uh, Bob Arum. Uh, there were some quotes that he had in the Athletic, just talking about uh, the the contract situation. Terrence's contract is running out with Top Rank. He's going to be uh, free by next October. And so you probably think it's about one more fight, maybe two if they're, you know, if if they're big time. And, you know, Bob Aram was lamenting in this article about how Terrence Crawford is even basically that, you know, he didn't like the fact that Terrence Crawford, there was, there was another article that had come out talking about how, they were upset with some fights that didn't happen and things like that. And Bob took offense to it with Terrence saying that, you know, he doesn't promote himself as well as other fighters like Teofimo Lopez, Tyson Fury and, and others. And the fact that, you know, 
he turns down interviews, he doesn't do as much media and all that type of stuff. And and this is just, you know, typical Bob Arum excuse making. Look, I've never been a huge fan of Bob Arum because it always just feels like he's trying to skate to keep his guys away from the top fights. It, it, it does a lot of the times. This happened with Manny Pacquiao for the longest time. What was the biggest hindrance probably to Manny and Floyd ever happening was Floyd's problem with Bob Arum and IE Al Heyman's problem with Bob Arum. And I'm not saying that, you know, that guys shouldn't fulfill their contracts or anything like that, but I just always find it rich that, he is uh he's gonna go and and hose down his fighter for not being uh interesting or not being uh marketable enough to garner the type of uh to to garner the type of attention uh there's a couple of things i'd say to that you know one if you don't think that your fighter is an interesting talker typically the thing that would make them interesting is the matchups and the type of fights that you could get them and the type of um the type of bouts you could put them in there to to make them box office. You know, Canelo Alvarez is the biggest star in boxing. The guy doesn't speak English. He's still a huge star, even in America. Um, it still does take the big-time matchups to make those guaranteed big-time bouts. But it just bummed me out, you know, hearing Bob Arum, who, you know, has been doing this thing forever and, you know, is, is old as hell. And Dana White ripped him a new one this week. And, you know, I'm not saying Dana White's the 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 got to be the uh, for lack of a better term the white knight uh, of of fighters because he's certainly not that. But you know, you would think at the time of Terrence Crawford's biggest success, right? Like he's coming off this win of of Kell Brook. Not that that's the biggest win of his career, but just you know, he had a big number. Everybody, a lot of people tuned in. People do seem hot on this. Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence, hotter than ever on making this fight happen. And I actually got some of Terrence Crawford's logic where he said that he didn't want the next fight that he had to be against Errol Spence because Errol was coming off of that car accident. You didn't want to be the guy who, you know, quote, unquote, took advantage of it. I get that. You know, you don't want to be in a position where people are, are taking credit away from you. Um, but hearing the things that I was hearing from Bob Aaron was just like, you're bummed out because the guy's not doing a, a ton of interviews. And I would say probably part of the reason is one, uh, you know, one, you're getting the same questions over and over. When are you going to fight this guy? When are you going to fight that guy? And your manager has, you know, no interest in making that bout happen. You know, the second thing is we're coming off of, of, of a week where Bob dismissed Errol Spence immediately and was trying to, put these pipe dreams out there of fighting Manny Pacquiao and I gotta tell you like news came out this week that Manny Pacquiao and Floyd May uh and and Conor McGregor you know they're under the same management team that they're going to make that fight happen Conor uh Manny is not going to be fighting anybody in this welterweight division at the top it's just I just don't buy it it's a pipe dream that Bob is selling to Terrence you know they could talk about Middle East and 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 all that type of stuff and that they were close to the pandemic, dude, no. If you're going to tell me that what Mandy Pacquiao has an opportunity to either go fight Conor McGregor or Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence, he's going to go fight Conor McGregor. And quite frankly, he deserves to go fight Conor McGregor. Floyd got to fight Conor McGregor. Con uh, Manny deserves to fight him for a, a bunch of money too. Um, and, and look, I know Manny has a belt. He has a, he has a WBA championship. I was there to watch him win it. But, you know, this idea that he has to still go prove anything 
against Errol Spence or Terrence Crawford is stupid. And I got to be honest with you, for both of those gentlemen, uh, you know, I say this all the time. I want fighters to make a ton of money. I, I love the, you know, I always love seeing guys, you know, going and, and get their worth and stuff like that. But it really doesn't matter to me as a fan about whether or not you're getting the super fight uh, as compared to, like, if you're going to tell me what would I rather have, uh, Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence make a, make good money fighting each other or make stupid money fighting Manny Pacquiao, I'd rather see them fight each other. I, You know, they're still going to make a good living. They're both going to make a ton of dough to fight each other. So I don't understand this idea of people uh, going crazy. Oh, my God, he made $40 million to fight Manny Pacquiao where he could have made, you know, and he made 15 to fight Errol. It's like, all right, but what's what's more important for his legacy? Because, you know, for both of those guys, unfortunately for them, they fight Manny Pacquiao. Yes, the paycheck's going to be really nice, but they are at a legacy point right now. Manny is at an age where that fight does nothing for them, uh, legacy wise. It is it is a it is a in my mind, other than their bank accounts, it's a no win situation because Manny's old. Manny's forty one years old. This isn't even like thirty five Manny uh, year old Manny Pacquiao. This isn't this isn't a guy who's fresh off the knockout. One man, Juan Marquez. You know, and yes, he's still at a championship level, but the guy, everything Manny is doing at this point in his career is gravy, which is why I almost feel like the McGregor fight makes sense. It's a gravy fight. He deserves a gravy fight. Um, and I'm not, you know, and I'm not, you know, talking out of both sides of my mouth where I say, oh, Manny deserves to get the super fight and make a ton of dough. He's been doing this for decades. He's won championships in eight divisions. He's 41 years old as the WBA welterweight championship of the world what else do you want the guy to accomplish in the sport with errol and terrence these guys are both looking at each other and they both are are taking their instagram likes and taking you know their their group of twitter followers and they think that they have built some kind of a legacy that's comparable to floyd mayweather manny pacquiao any of these guys who are in the welterweight division before them this is supposed to be their era and their era should be decided between them and yeah, it took a long time for Manny and Floyd to fight. Don't make that same mistake because you are not the star that they are. You are not Floyd Mayweather and you are not Manny Pacquiao. So don't jerk the fans around thinking, oh, we could just sit around here. We could both do this by the time we're 38 years old. No, sir. That's not going to work. You guys are bonafide the best. Terrence is getting closer to that age than, than Errol is. But holy hell, Errol's been, you know, with Errol already uh, having a, a brush of of death, you know, you would think that you would want to get this fight down because, first of all, it's going to do big box office numbers. They're going to make a lot of money. It's guaranteed you could do a rematch, all that type of stuff. Here's the other thing that, that annoyed me about this fight this week. You know, they came out here and they're both arguing, oh, 60-40, I deserve 60-40, I deserve 60-40. Boys, what are we talking about here? You know, you're talking about the biggest fight in your career and you're arguing over 10%. Like, that's what we're doing here. You're arguing over 60-40, over, 40-60, uh, 60-40. The idea that they both think that they deserve uh, anything that uh, is worthy of an A side or a B side is so stupid. Um, you know, neither one of them have done half a million pay-per-view buys in their career. So this idea that they're hoarding some eggs of a 60-40 split 
is silly to me. You guys should be happy with a 50-50 split of what's actually going to be the first super fight in your careers. Um, and then if you want to do the 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 Terrence, uh, the uh, the Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder thing, where the winner gets uh, gets 60 percent, by all means. But this is so silly to me. But these two guys, they're both amazing fighters. I love watching both of them fight. Uh, you know, Terrence. I've been on Terrence Crawford for a long time. Errol, uh, I've I got onto a little bit later, but seeing him in person do his thing, I was just very very impressed with what he was able to do. But let's not lose sight of the fact of of where they are in comparison to what they're acting like they are. They're acting like they have they're they're in some this they're in the same stratosphere as Floyd and Manny when they're not, and it's it, it it's it's a turnoff to fans in general that you guys are in this position where it's not only that you guys are in this position and you are the two best welterweights on the planet, so you should fight. But also, there's no other options. Like, there, there, there are no there are no other... There, there is no trump card that comes out here and just like, aha! You know, when I remember this back with the Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua thing. We'll make it a, a more recent example. And, you know, there were all these arguments, Deontay and, uh, and Anthony Joshua, who should fight, who should be the A-side, where should the fight be, all that type of stuff. Um... But Deontay was able to come out. He pulled a rabbit out of his hat, and he says, guess what? I'm fighting Tyson Fury. And it ended up being a huge success. You know, they did. Uh, they ended up doing, between their two fights, a million pay-per-views combined, which, you know, is decent for these day for this day and age. Not what Now, certainly, the second fight did not do what people thought it was going to do. They thought it was going to be a bona fide million on its own. A little bit silly. Uh, you know, I remember Joe Testator infamously said that he thought it was going to be the most bought pay-per-view of all time which is just stupid again Deontay Wilder was in a position where he had never done half a million by himself why why then would you think he's going to go and do a million pay-per-view buys or two million pay-per-view buys with Tyson Fury not enough you know there's just different levels to the game there are there are there's different stratospheres of superstardom they're just on the brink you know, and Deontay has been in the game forever. And Tyson Fury was champ, but was out and out of the vernacular people. But people knew it was a good fight. And it still did good the first time around. And then with the leap they took the second time around was really, really good. They almost got to a million. They didn't, but they did really good for, for a buildup uh, uh, off the first fight. It just, they over they, they overshot what they thought the interest was going to be. Um, but I look around the welterweight division um, and I don't really see that trump card. There was some talk. There was some some brushings this week with all the Canelo stuff going down. Of you know, Canelo mentioned that he'd fight Errol Spence. You know, if Errol Spence eventually moved up, if if they were to meet at some, you know, one sixty or hell, I mean, you know, Canelo's like a chameleon. He could literally go to, you know, he probably could make one fifty four if he needed to. But I would say let's just put it at one sixty for argument's sake. Um. That would be, I would say, Errol's only only out here. That would be his. That would be his big trump card. The only thing I would say to that, though, is if we do see Errol looking like a, it probably depends on how Errol looks in his next couple of fights. And 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 Canelo, much like Floyd did when he saw Canelo, and probably saw a guy a little too young, a little bit too out of his weight class, a guy he could take advantage of. 
he's only going to take that fight if he thinks Errol's vulnerable. I don't think he's going to take that fight if he thinks Errol's got really a chance to beat him. So, all in all, just for me, a disappointing week with uh, what's going on in the welterweight division. Um, it just all of this stuff. It, it becomes very, very frustrating. You know that this has been boxing's kryptonite for so long and that all of these guys just come out here, they jockey for position, they talk, they talk, they talk. And, you know, it's almost enabled even more now, I think, because of social media, because everybody has their pockets of fans. And if you talk down upon them, you looked upon as some hater. It's not the case. You know, like, I, I, I really just would like to see these guys fight fight the best. And, you know, if they lose a fight, they lose a fight. It's okay. Uh, you know, I think it'll make people even want to watch them more the next time. Like, I really feel like if Deontay Wilder wouldn't act uh, like conspiracy, man, people would be hyped for his next fight. It's unfortunate that he's acted the way that he has after the Tyson Fury loss and has gone crazy. I do think, however, he has done, if they do end up fighting each other, I do feel like it has reinvigorated a trilogy i do feel like because it's been all this conspiracy all this stuff i do feel like deontay's done a good job if they fight each other they don't fight each other i do feel like it's hurt him a little bit but if they fight if they do end up getting the uh the uh the fury wilder three he has kicked that in the ass a little bit so i don't think it's all backfired on him but if he doesn't i do feel like he's lost a bit of the goodwill because people look upon this as uh you know kind of being a sore loser being uh conspiracy theorist all that type of stuff we come back we're going to talk to king gabe rosado he's going to be fighting in the main event next week at the hard rock hotel and casino over in hollywood florida he's going to be taking on daniel jacobs the miracle man as these guys are moving up to 168 hoping to make a splash there and get into the title talks so we'll talk to the longtime boxing veteran right after this welcome back to fighters fury everybody uh, looking forward to a, a fun boxing weekend next weekend. Now, we got a couple of things coming up. We have, of course, the big show. We have Mike Tyson taking on Roy Jones Jr., the exhibition match between these guys. I see Roy, uh, Mike Tyson. He looks, you know, juiced to the gills. Uh, eight two-minute rounds. We'll see what these guys are going to do with one another, see what this exhibition looks like. I'm taking my guy Roy. You know, Roy is one of my faves. Uh, I feel like he's going to box Mike Socks off. I feel like he's uh, he's still skilled enough. Um, I do feel like, you know, we'll see a Mike Tyson that's got a tornado of hell for one, two rounds. Now, remember, they are two-minute rounds. I don't know how he's going to look after that. He's been ultimately admitted about himself, you know, how he's gone through these things and, and, and he's kind of he's kind of blown through his energy a little bit and, and doesn't feel the same. I feel like we're going to get a, a, a hurricane early on with Mike Tyson. I do feel like with the stage, with the anxiety, with uh, the adrenaline, all that type of stuff, I feel like there could be a big dump after a couple of rounds, and that's where Roy could take advantage. So I like Roy. I think I think Roy's going to take this one. I'm going to go with Roy Jones Jr. Oh, I got to mention this. Before we get to Gabe Rosado, we're going to talk to King Gabe Rosado here in just a second and get to his fight because he's got a fight same weekend uh, on zone. Uh, Friday the 27th so you got Roy Jones Mike Tyson on the 28th these guys are fighting on the 27th but dude I'm not falling I'm going to tell you right now I am not falling for this Floyd Mayweather Logan Paul gimmick that's going on right now I don't know what's going on here with them going back and forth on Twitter and they're trying to 
you know, put together some exhibition fight. Dumb. Let me tell you something. Logan Paul, uh, you know, who I don't look. Logan Paul seems like a, uh, a lot of people hate on Logan Paul. I'm not one of these people. I don't feel like he's a, a complete disgrace or anything like that. However, I have watched him fight. Um, and Logan, he lost to something called KSI. Now, look, there was some Fugazi refing in that. I will give him. Nonetheless, though, he was in an even Steven fight, basically, with a guy named KSI. I don't need to see him fight the best, you know, boxer of the last 20 years because it's stupid. But look, these guys are monster marketers. Um, I just don't want anybody going at this and thinking this is any type of legit, like, oh, if Logan Paul gets one shot. No, bro. We tried to do that with Conor McGregor. We're like, oh, if Conor gets one shot. Um, and even if Conor isn't as big as Logan Paul, and, and Logan Paul's a, a kid who's in good shape, don't get me wrong. Um, but Conor's at least been in combat fights, you know, all that. Time. There's arguments there that I think are fun to have. They're not fun to have when it comes to a guy who's an entertainer, flat out. So I'm not buying into that stuff. Either way, uh, I'm sure we'll get more uh, drama as that stuff unfolds. Let's get to our talk with uh, King Gabe Rosado. Got a chance to talk with Gabe this week as he gets ready for his matchup with the Miracle Man, Daniel Jacobs. They are fighting at the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino coming up on Friday. And here is our talk with King Gabe Rosado. King Gabe Rosado, he is going to be fighting Daniel Jacobs coming up next week at the Hollywood Hard Rock, the Guitar Hotel. He is going to be uh, taking him on on DAZN. You guys can check it out there. It's been fun, DAZN, bringing a couple fights down here. How excited are you for the matchup, man, as, uh, as camp winds down? Yeah, man, you know, excited, you know, under the circumstances that we're going through, man, to be able to, you know, fight such a big fight, man, is, you know, definitely a blessing, man, so looking forward to it you got him shook man like you uh you know i don't i don't normally see daniel jacobs this uh you know <laughs> animated and you got under his skin planned yeah, what do you what do you what have you done to to rattle the cage with him you know man i just was speaking facts you know i really ain't making nothing up you know i saw i saw his instagram he had posted something where like um the zone was following him or whatever and he was saying that i copped the plea and didn't you know i and uh, that I was insane. These I didn't mean these things, and I was just saying it to get a fight. Like that wasn't true. I mean, I didn't. I didn't cop a plea. You know, I said what I said. You know, I said if he he took my route as a professional, we wouldn't even know who Danny Jacobs is. You know, my route is a. Uh, and if you look at my resume, the type of fights I fought back to back, the big names back to back, and it was a tough schedule, man. So for me to be here, you know, just shows how, you know, how res- resilient I am. Why, 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 why did you take that tactic, Gabe? Like you, you are not. If you like, look up the record. Like, not afraid to take on anybody. Uh, yeah. When in today's day and age, people avoid people. Like that's 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 the type yeah. of thing. But I do think that's a, a thing appreciated by the fans with you. Why they they stick with you uh, through, sure. through a lot. Like what what went through that uh, decision in your career to to take that type of route? You know, I think it's just being true to myself. You know, and. And just like not allowing anyone to dictate, you know, how I'm going to move. You know, I've really self-managed myself throughout my entire career almost. You know, I've had help with certain people. But, you know, for the most part, I've, I've, I always call the shots and what, and what I'm going to do. And um, I think when you're like that, man, when you're genuine and you're you, that stands out. 
know what I'm saying? I think a lot of fight, fighters are trying to imitate Floyd and hold on to that O. And I don't even really know if it's the fighters. It's probably like their management and the promoters that, you know, are pushing them into that route. But, you know, I'm just not that guy. You know, I just kind of like to be me. I like to move how I move. And I think uh, the fans just kind of see, you know, something that's just authentic and, and, and real. I uh, know that uh, fighters like to stay focused on the task at hand, but what do you hope a win against Daniel Jacobs will do for you? What do you What do you hope it vaults it vaults you to, uh, in in this guy, the next wave of your career? Yeah, well, you know the sixty eight pound division is loaded. You know you have you know Saunders Smith, Benavides, Canelo, Jacobs, me. You know Charlo might move up. You know, so it's a loaded division, man. So, you know, any fight with those guys is a great fight. It's a big fight. You know, so, you know, I, I think this win definitely puts us in position of, you know, a world title, you know, and that's the goal. The goal is for me to, the ultimate goal is for me to get a world title, you know, but I'm not looking past Jacobs, you know, I'm locked in, I'm focused, you know, I know the fight's going to be a tough fight. It's going to take a lot to, to, to pull out the win, but, you know, I'm, I'm preparing myself to do what I got to do to win. You've been with, uh, with Freddie Roach now for about a year is, is, is something like that? Like how, um, yeah, yeah, you know, a little over a year now. Um, What's we that? Fought back in, we fought back in December 20th, got a unanimous decision. Um, but, you know, this is our first camp where we're really locked in and have worked on a game plan and really, you know, and but I've known Freddie for since, you know, 2012. So I've known Freddie for a while now. But, you know, this is our first time locking in, man, and the camps has been great. What's it? Uh, what's it like working with a, a guy who you know many would say is a legendary trainer? Uh, yeah. has been through on the biggest stages. What have, What have you felt that impact like in your career working with him? You know, just learning, learning a lot from him. Um, professionalism, just locked in, consistency. I think that's the best thing in a trainer is just consistent. You know, every day just working on the goal. And um, it's just all business, you know, and that's just that's what I need. You know, it's, it's it's pure discipline and just being locked in. Do you feel like you're learning anything new? I mean, if our guy's been in the sport uh, that long, is anything finely tuned, anything like that that's been picked up from him? Well, yeah, you know, at, you know, at this point, my 14th year as, as a pro, you know, he, he, Freddie really doesn't have to show me how to fight. But as far as uh, game plan and and uh showing me how to use certain technique in, in certain situations, you know, you know, you definitely are learning uh, something new, you know, um, and I think that's the beauty of boxing. You're always going to learn. And, uh, you know, so with Freddie, you know, being the, 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 the experienced trainer that he is, a former fighter, you know, he definitely shows me a lot of things that, um, that I can definitely use uh, in, in this fight. What do you think of uh, Danny Jacobs right now as a fighter? Like, do you think he's past uh, he's past his prime a little bit? Uh, the guy, or is he still the guy that's at the level that many people thought beat Triple G? Like, where, what what kind of Danny Jacobs do you think you're going to get next week? You know, I'm I'm training for the best Danny Jacobs. You know, um, I think he's still a sharp fighter, still strong. You know, we're both we're, we're the same age. You know, so. But no one really has an advantage as far as, you know, youth or, or anything like that. Right. So, you know, I think it's a fight where, you know, we're both experienced guys, you know, it's just going to come down to I think it's going to just come down to will who wants it more. 
you came uh you you mentioned something in the press conference like you you've known him i guess or have had an eye on him for a while with you guys both coming up uh how i guess uh i guess common is that like you guys coming up in the same circles or having an eye on how young you guys are at that time and and when do you have it in your mind that you might cross paths yeah we're you know um when i had fought uh peter quillen he was up for the winner of that fight you know and it was a fight that i was ahead on the scorecards and winning so they got stopped on a cut in the, in the championship rounds but um but yeah you know he's kind of been on my radar since then you know and um and, you know, it was always a fight that I thought would happen, you know, a few years back. But, you know, we're still we're still relevant and we're still making noise, you know. So I think the fight is, you know, it's not too late. You know, it's, it's a great it's a great fight. Um, there's history behind it, man. So, you know, I think it's uh, it's just one of those things. It's a fight where it's just uh, there's no title on the line, but it's pride on the line. You know, it's uh, it's getting that one on each other, you know, like I got that, you know. So I think it's a lot of pride and ego um, in this fight. It's a fun one, too, because you guys are going to be like, you know, it's like Thanksgiving weekend. So people are all going to be yeah. gathered around <laughs> looking for stuff to watch. So it's a great yeah. thing. To find. I wish I, you know, I tell you, man, I wish it was because, you know, we don't get a lot of big time fights down here in Florida. So it's kind yeah. of a cruel thing where it's like the yeah. fans aren't welcome. You can't go in because know, I've been dying for I've been dying for, you know, these big fights to come on down here nationally. We just had yeah. Devin Haney down here against Yoriyoki Scamboa. So. It's uh, it's great yeah. that you guys are coming down to the community, but it's uh, yeah. it's almost a little bit cruel because man, we would I would love it if you guys could do it in a packed building so you could see what I the know, South man. Florida atmosphere was like. Um, no, for sure, and that's that's the weird part about it. You know, a fight with me and Jacobs is a fight that you know definitely will bring in a, a, a big fan base. You know, so the fact that uh, we're doing it in the bubble, man, it's kind of it's kind of different, man. But you know, it is what it is. Have you heard anything about the bubble uh, as far as what prep is, uh, what life is going to be like in there? I remember Devin Haney no. uh, told me a couple weeks ago he's a little stir crazy. Not at all, man. I haven't heard anything about it. I know I, I get there on Sunday, you know, so at that point that, you know, it's just kind of cutting the last few pounds. So I'll just, my mind will just be elsewhere, you know, so it is what it is. I've, uh, I wanted to ask you this because I'm a big fan of the, the Rocky films and seeing you in, uh, in Creed uh, a couple of years back. As a guy from Philly, what was uh what was that like getting the the opportunity to be kind of in that series? How, and uh, what is a, what is like your favorite memory, I guess, from getting to be in in, yeah. in a, a part of that? Man, you know it, it's it's pretty surreal, man. Like you know the you know you grow up off Rocky, you know, and it's iconic in Philadelphia, but even in the world. So it's like uh, to be a part of it, man. It's uh, something I'm proud of. Um, you know, it's my first movie. I moved to Los Angeles and my first movie was shooting in uh, back home in, in my in my city, man. So it's kind of like it's kind of crazy. But um, I would say my my best my, my best experience from it was sitting down with Stallone and talking about old fights. Wow. <laughs> and like he's a big boxing fan. So, you know, he would talk to me about Duran and he talked to me about uh, Frazier because he, he, he sparred these guys. He sparred Duran and he sparred Frazier. And so we just kind of like have conversations like that. You know, he's a really, he, he really knows his boxing. So I, I would say that was probably, uh, and we went to dinner and had this conversation. So that was pretty dope to sit down with Stallone and just kind of have that conversation with him. I bet. Can you, uh, could you explain to our audience, you know, we got a nice uh, boxing community down here in South Florida and, uh, and, and, and a lot of good young fighters coming on up. But uh, can you explain Philly boxing culture 
uh, in a broad spectrum? Like, what is it like growing up in a, in a city that is iconic tied to the, uh, the sweet science? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the boxing culture in Philadelphia is, you know, is intense. You know, there's no such thing as sparring. It's called gym wars. <laughs> you know, you go to somebody's gym to spar, you know, is a challenge. You know, someone's gonna someone's gonna get hurt. You know, that's just the mentality. I think that's what makes Philadelphia fighters so tough. You know, you never see a Philadelphia fighter that quits. You never see a, Phil a Philadelphia fighter that puts on a bad performance. You know, they always come to fight, and I think it's because the culture and the gyms are so raw and rugged. You know, I came up in gyms where. You know, there was holes in the ceiling and, you know, maybe rain is dripping and there's buckets in the ring and we're sparring around the bucket, you know, like it's raw like that, man. Um, and uh, so I think just just that raw culture just makes fighters in Philly so tough. Well, check out Gabe Rosado. He's going to be taking on Danny Jacobs coming up next Friday. You guys can see it on the zone. It is uh, just I just re-upped with them, and uh, you know you get all your boxing fan, you get subscription, all kinds of great fights. So uh, sure. check it on out, man. Uh, welcome down to South Florida. When you do get down here, when do you travel down okay. here? Is that uh, that coming up there, soon? Uh, I get there Sunday. All right, man. Well, Seth travels. Yep. I, I hope enjoy of the city what you can, especially. I mean, For like, sure. are you going to do a little post Thanksgiving well, well, vacay? Stay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in Florida for for a week after the fight. My daughter, my my oldest daughter, lives in uh, Florida, so cool. I'll be spending some time with her out there after the fight. All right, man. Well, uh, all the health yep. to you. Uh, we're looking forward to the show and and enjoy Florida when you're down here. For sure. Thank you, man. All right, take care. I like that guy, man. First time we got to talk to Gabe. Uh, I really appreciate the conversation and thank you to, uh, to Bernie for setting that up and give us the opportunity to speak with him. Uh, looking forward to it. I love, uh, I love a good fight week down here in South Florida. Obviously wish that uh, more people were able to go and we'd be able to showcase the city a little bit more. Everybody have a great rest of your week. Thank you for tuning in. You missed any of the show. Download the podcast and we'll talk to you next time. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 